This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Described as perhaps the most powerful person in humanity. He is the man behind artificial intelligence. Late last week, Sam Altman was ousted, a coup at OpenAI. So, who is Sam Altman and what happened at ChatGPT? It's the Will Kane Podcast on Fox News Podcast. What's up? And welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. You can watch the Will Kane Podcast on Rumble or on YouTube and follow me on X at Will Kane. I, I know loosely, I know intuitively, that if everything happening in the world politics, but yes, even including war, there might be nothing more consequential than what's going on in technology with artificial intelligence. I mean, this is the beginning of what could be the end. And I think that's, yes, a fearful or pessimistic view of the future of humanity. And I would love to adopt an optimistic and fruitful vision for the future of humanity. But I don't yet have the understanding. And when we don't have understanding, we do proceed from a position of fear. So I need to understand artificial intelligence. And as such, I need to understand the man largely behind AI. His name is Sam Altman. He was the subject of a coup. He was ousted late last week. Some five to 700 employees have said, if he's out, I'm out. On the prospect of adding Sam Altman, Microsoft adds billions and billions and billions of dollars of market capitalization. So why is this man so powerful? Who is Sam Altman? Do we need to be worried? Or should he give us hope if he's the man behind artificial intelligence? Today, we'll have that discussion with Reed Blackman. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Reed Blackman, the author of Ethical Machines and the host of the podcast Ethical Machines, joins me now. Reed, it's always great to see you. I always find it both terrifying and enlightening <laughs> to talk to you about artificial intelligence. Huge news from the world of AI over the past week, week and a half. Let's start with some very basics. Um, who is Sam Altman? Well, he's the well, co-founder of OpenAI. Everyone knows OpenAI. If they don't know the name, they at least know ChatGPT, which came out about a, a year ago. Uh, and so he's one of the major pushers of the most powerful form of AI we've seen ever. And at this point, while ChatGPT is something that most people have heard of, is it fair to say as... AI startups are pretty much all over the tech landscape. That ChatGPT is your faraway front runner, making Sam Altman the most important person in artificial intelligence. 
that's pretty that's that's he's got to be top five you know he i don't know if he's a, he's the number one people are going to say things like satya nadella at microsoft for instance is, is up there but they're allies so the two of them combined are probably the they're a power couple i suppose one could say in the ai world um but yes yeah, sam altman has uh, along with everyone who works at OpenAI, done a tremendous amount to both advance the technology sort of at the research level and then commercially by releasing it as ChatGPT and then making paid versions of that as well. They've got lots of corporate clients. They have a massive multi-billion dollar partnership with Microsoft that's in peril at the moment, but it's there. Uh, so he's done a tremendous amount and there's no there's no question. Every lawmaker, anyone, who, anyone in the Senate who wants to talk about AI regulation, they're talking among other people, to Sam Altman. I want to stay on this for just a moment of trying to contextualize just how important or big this figure is. How big is Sam Altman? You know, I remember reading a book, I believe it was called Sonic Boom by Greg Easterbrook. And he was talking about Silicon Valley tech investing uh, throughout its history. And one of the maxims that they learned from, I believe it was KKR, the, the venture capital firm, was you don't want to be a pioneer. You you don't mm. want to invest in MySpace because <laughs> pioneers get scalped. You want to invest in the settlers that come along behind the pioneers. Um, so you want to invest in Facebook. Mm-hmm. Is ChatGPT, in your estimation, the the MySpace, the pioneer of AI, or is it a land grab? Even even a um, brain drain to try to get everyone under one roof or one umbrella, and whoever is there first will be the winner of artificial intelligence. That's a great question. I it might be too soon to tell, especially because of what's going on in the news lately, which we'll of course talk about. Plausibly, what Sam has been trying to do is make OpenAI the settler, not the not the pioneer who just you know shows up and then everyone else runs him down. Um, there was an event a week or two ago uh, called the, you know, um, it was a big DevOps day, a, a day for developers for using OpenAI and introducing OpenAI in a more commercial way. More specifically, they were basically saying, hey, you know, all these these chatbots, the chatbot that you have, ChatGPT, you can make your own even though you're not a coder. So people were comparing it to sort of the app like launching the app store for Apple. This was sort of launching the app store for AI. And so people were very excited about that. That's a move that's not, hey, you know, we're going to try some things out. It's we're going to take over the space as best we can. So that's one thing to say. Their, their, their sites are certainly on becoming settlers and arguably they're out in front. The other thing to say is that even though OpenAI was in some sense the new kids on the tech block, nonetheless, they had and have a very powerful partnership with Microsoft who invested something like I don't know ten billion dollars plus. So they also have arguably though there's nuance here, they've got resources as well to make it the case that they are the settlers. Meanwhile, you know, Google's on their heels, there are other kinds of startups like an open AI called, for instance, Anthropic, they're competing. So it's too early to tell. But the thing that's interesting that's going on in the news now is open AI may go under. It might be done. Yes. And I want to get into that, the fall of OpenAI, the coup over Sam Altman. But one more question in order to fully understand maybe sort of the battleground, the landscape. I recently heard this comparison made as well, that artificial intelligence is a bit like electricity. To understand the moment that we're living in, and it's hard for me because I don't use, I don't even use chat GPT 
much less artificial intelligence. And I haven't yet felt my life deprived uh, sure. in some way. I, I don't know that I've seen the benefits of it yet, Reed. And I'm, I'm certain it's coming. I, I'm, I'm a believer, certainly, in the way everyone is talking. That's probably how people felt at the advent of electricity as well. Like, um, I don't know, maybe it was more obvious how it was going to change lives mm, with, with yeah. electricity mm -hmm. at the outset. But the, the comparison was that now electricity runs through your life as a given. You know, you don't appreciate the role on a day to day ba basis of electricity. And one day, not in a far too different future, will it not only be obvious how AI has improved your life, but you will actually take it for granted. You will be using it you know, day in, day out, hour yep. in, hour out, minute in, minute out as part of your life. Do you think that's fair? Like how, what, what we're at the advent of and, and that this is how AI will be part of our lives, just interwoven into our lives in a way we no longer can even appreciate. Yeah. I, so I think the answer is yes. One thing I want to note about the electricity analogy is that I don't know if when they figured out or discovered electricity, everyone thought, oh, great, this is going to be great for everyone. It was the applications of that, like the light bulb. Right? So once you invented the light bulb, people immediately got the light bulb. Oh, this thing makes things light. When I can't see when it's dark out, I don't have to use a candle. There's no risk of fire. You know, I can have it at will. They understand the application of electricity as opposed to, if you like, the technology that is electricity, if we can call it electricity a technology. I mean, there were technologies to harness electricity, but again, even if you told the average person back in whenever, whenever, 1900 or whatever it was, I don't know that they would get what it would mean to their everyday lives if you said, oh, I built the thing to harness the power of electricity. What, is, what does that mean? I built the light bulb and this is what it does that I get. It's the same kind of thing with AI, I think. The average person is not going to grasp you know, what is AI, but applications of it they get. And so here's a couple of examples that you've already seen in your life. So number one, uh, easy one, your photo software in your phone. You take a picture, uh, it puts it into your, you know, it recognizes, oh, that's a picture of your wife or that's a picture of your child. And they, it goes into the appropriate folder or whatever. So that when you search for, hey, I want to see all the pictures of my wife or all the pictures of me, it recognizes, as it were, those people in those photos. And so that's AI at work. That's, that's AI doing um, face recognition. You also, if you've done um, international travel recently, when you go through passport control coming coming back into the U.S., uh, it's kind of amazing. You don't even have to you don't have to go right in this w long line. You go to a kiosk, it scans your face, and then it prints you out a little thing. It says you're good to go. Then you hand it to the to the guard, and that's it. Again, that's facial recognition software that's powered by AI. A little bit more mundane, maybe. You take a look at your at the voicemail transcriptions, right? You don't have to listen to the voicemail. You can see the transcript. That's AI listening to the voicemail and converting it to text. So this stuff is already there. And then there's all sorts of ways that you're getting served, say, ads on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, or the way in which your feed and TikTok is constructed. That's all by virtue of how an AI is working. So you're already, people are already interacting with AI. They just don't know it. They're working with applications and under the hood is an AI. But just like, you know, I drive a car and there's a certain amount of horsepower under the hood. I don't actually know what's under the hood. I'm not a mechanic, but I know the application of all that technology. You know, uh, you don't just have to fly internationally, by the way. I, I, I fly every week. I'm, I'm on a plane all yeah. the time and, and I've seen yeah. it domestically. I mean, at mm. Dallas Fort Worth airport, you, you will get your face scanned at some of those TSA pre-checks instead of having to go through all oh, the, interesting. the driver's license. And, and at Madison Square Garden, I went to UFC 295 and mm. they have that, you know, not everyone has to go through the metal detector anymore. You know, you, you, they scan faces. Uh, interesting. Yeah. 
Um, yep. That may be so. And, James and Dolan can kick there. people out of the garden that he doesn't like. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, right, right, right. Which I've heard he does at MSG. <laughs> but you're yeah. definitely getting your face scanned at, at, at Madison Square Garden. Yep. And, you know, on the one hand, that is really, really scary, right? I mean, we're talking about massive surveillance by corporations, by government, virtually anyone. I mean, facial recognition software is is fairly widely available. On the other hand, you can think of some pretty amazing applications. A child is lost. A child is kidnapped. And you run it through, you know, you look for that face in the in the in say CCTV or something like that, and you can find the child. I mean, so there's really scary stuff, and there's really whatever the opposite of scary is, great opportunities. The question is going to be, I, among others, how do we make sure that it gets used in a responsible way? How do we create the proper guardrail so that no massive surveillance, you know, we we still want searches requiring a warrant, that sort of thing. How do we keep that, but also allow ourselves to say, for instance, save children? Or identify the criminal in the in the crowd. So let's go back to Sam Altman. I was listening to a podcast yeah. a couple of months ago, the All In podcast with um, tech guys David Sachs, Chamath Palapatia, and they were talking about Sam Altman. And read the way they talked about Altman made him seem like potentially the figure in the movie that that, that controls, uh, you know, the singularity. Um, <laughs> yeah. These are not just casual guys, by the way. These are these are tech investors, and th- th- yep. they were talking about, you know, even though OpenAI was a nonprofit, how Altman was capable of turning that into potential domination of the market and potential profit. In short, they were talking about Altman essentially emerging as the most powerful man on the planet through his leadership, I guess, of OpenAI and their domination of artificial intelligence. What do you think of that characterization? Because, I, again, I think a lot of people listening may not be keeping up with what happened at OpenAI and the ousting of Sam Altman. But I want to talk about who this guy is and why this might be important. Do you think that is a fair characterization of Altman? You know, I, I've heard comparisons to him as, as sort of like the next Steve Jobs. That sounds not implausible. It's hard to say. I mean, look, let's not forget he's got lots of scientists behind him. He was a co-founder of the organization. He's clearly an impressive CEO. He's also an impressive spokesperson for his business. I mean, he's everywhere, right? I mean, this guy is even certainly now, but even before that, you couldn't talk about AI without mentioning Sam Altman and OpenAI. Regulators don't do anything without talking to Sam. The big tech companies you know, they're talking to Sam Altman. Like I said, Microsoft has this partnership with OpenAI. Is, um, this, is this the future of humanity, debating whether or not the new leader of the most powerful technology, and this is not my characterization, I'm just picking up what yeah. others are putting down, at yeah. least of our lifetime. I mean, artificial intelligence, is, it, is the future of humanity debating and hoping whether or not the, the, the man who controls artificial intelligence is benevolent? A little bit. I mean, look, There's these giant tech companies who have trust and safety teams or ethics teams. Microsoft, for instance, has, they call it responsible AI. So a responsible AI office, they have a chief responsible AI officer, and one hopes that they actually live up to the values that they say they want to live up to. They were a bit, my estimation, a bit fast with the way they rolled out GPT 4.0 in their Bing search engine. But... You know, they they at least appear to have a commitment to trust, safety, that sort of thing. Others don't. I mean, Meta recently, it, it's unclear. So Microsoft also at one point dissolved their ethics and society board, uh, sorry, committee or department. Um, Meta recently dissolved. This was in the news last week, but it got lost in the shuffle with Sam Altman. Meta just dissolved their responsible AI team. Twitter did that. You know, a year or so ago when when Musk took over, disbanded the trust and safety team. 
it's not just Sam Altman, it's all these tech companies who are developing these technologies. Are they going to genuinely invest and back their ethics or trust and safety teams? And we're seeing a, an exodus of those teams, or, or rather a dissolution of those teams by the big tech companies, not not doubling down on them, unfortunately. So insofar as Sam is one of those people, to the extent that he doesn't push or double down on trust and safety, and instead focuses on commercial activity at the expense of ethics, safety, responsibility, yeah, we got we have reason to worry. You know, this always takes me back to first principles. It, it truly does. Like, on the one hand, what individuals do I entrust to sit on a board of trust and ethics, you know, safety and ethics? Yeah. I don't. I, and I think in the case of Twitter and, and, and before Elon Musk, I think the answer would be I, I trust very few people that would sure. sit on a board of safety and ethics. And so I don't I don't want to entrust humanity to these individual tech boards who define what is ethical. I also don't feel very good about entrusting all of it to one individual as I w- would be forced to sit here on a continuous basis and say, yeah. do I believe that Elon Musk is truly dedicated to free speech? Do I do truly believe that Sam Altman is good for humanity? On another hand, I don't want to I, I mean, citizen power, individual freedom is ensured through essentially two mechanisms. One, voting, and that is through government. And so that's diluted, though. That's watered down through, you know, now two centuries of Washington, D.C. politics that's limited the voice of the individual. So do I trust the government to regulate this technology in some ethical way? My answer will be un- inevitably no. And then yeah. the only other way that we have power is through choice, consumer choice, Um, what we choose to do with our our dollar, our votes. That's what a dollar is. It's a vote. A dollar is a vote of trust and endorsement of something. When you spend, that's just, it's at its most basic level, when you trade someone your dollar, which you got for your hard-earned time or your hard-spent time, you are endorsing in exchange for convenience or bettering your life some way, whatever it is that person is doing. That's our most basic level of of control. And I just wonder as this fight goes on and these guys compete with one another, I hope, I guess that's probably the first principle we have to endorse. Some level of competition between all these AI companies that we will, we will, through our individual choices, choose, you know, elect, buy, patronize some ethical version of artificial intelligence. Yeah, I, th- I think that's roughly right. So uh, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch to say. That was a lot. So there's a, there's a couple things to say here. Um, let's start with the sort of corporations having different ethical standards thing. That's sort of, that's generally fine. I, I'm, ha- I'm perfectly fine living in a country where we have Patagonia and we have Hobby Lobby and we have everything in between. Very different political ideologies, different actions as a result of those ideologies. I don't want government to shut down Hobby Lobby. I don't want government to shut down Patagonia or anything in between. Now, if we have like, you know, the KKK shop, all right, that's a problem. Um, but as long as we don't have that, uh, there's as long as things are sort of. Um, well, even we, that, though, Reed, we, that's not against the law, like in the United States of America. Yeah, like no, a, that's, KK, that's true. a KKK shop should not, in theory, be shut down by the government. It should lose by the power of the individual choice and lack of patronization. Yeah, on the condition that they're not actually engaging in, say, acts of lynching. Agreed. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and so I do think that, yeah, Twitter is going to have different ethical standards than Facebook, which is going to have different standards than 
maybe Instagram, even though they're owned by the same company, which is going to have different standards than et cetera, et cetera. And so yeah, then I think consumers are going to spend here versus there. And, you know, that's fine. That's not a nightmare scenario. That's just, you know, the fact that different people have different beliefs and we live in a diverse society with different political and ethical beliefs and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's that's fine. What can government do? And so 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 I think that um, when we say, do I trust the, the people on the ethics board at Twitter or X or Meta or whatever it is? I don't know. I, I trust that they'll do something that's not illegal, that they'll keep things at least within the bounds of legality and that they will hold not not bonkers ethical views. That's that's sort of my my, my first answer. I trust not... neither of those things. <laughs> OK, OK. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's a it's a gray area, but uh, I think I've got the backing of violations of the First Amendment and bonkers morality from these trust and safety boards over the past five years on my side. Yeah. I don't I don't know where your rosy view comes from, but that's my dark view. <laughs> I mean, there, 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 there are definitely views I disagree with, uh, but I disagree without thinking that they're in some cases. Anyway, I disagree without thinking that they're crazy. Um but anyway, you know, we have to get into particular decisions to sort of to sort of settle on that. Now, with regards to government, government's an interesting thing. Right now, you might think about government regulation as being process oriented or outcome oriented. So when you think about outcome oriented regulations, think about things like, I don't care what you do, just make sure that this car gets fifty miles to the gallon by, you know, twenty thirty five or whatever it is, right? It's about the outcome. It's gotta be able to go this far on a on a on a gallon of gas. Process oriented is not is not like that. It's sort of like you're gonna you the law requires you to engage in this kind of process. So think about the criminal justice system and trial by jury mm-hmm. and how a trial has to unfold. Mm-hmm. Those there are process oriented laws about how that's gotta go. So we 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 regulate or we, we make certain processes legal or illegal. When it comes to AI, there's no way we're gonna get, at least for AI generally, outcome based. Uh, regulations like we do with automobiles. And the reason is that the applications for AI are in the, I don't know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. I mean, there's a, there's tons of output. So it can't be something like, you've got to produce this with AI. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. And so right now, what all the regulations are doing, they're focused necessarily on process. If you're going to build AI, you got to do this stuff. You got to, you know, it's, it's a lot around documenting the significant decisions that are made, being transparent about those decisions. And then you can still have a Twitter or an X and a Meta and a Patagonia and a Hobby Lobby, and they just have to sort of be careful how they cre- in the in the way by which they assess their AI as they're building it. But there's nothing that I've seen that, and you can't produce these outcomes unless those outcomes are already established as being illegal. For instance, running a foul of anti discrimination law. So I would say the only other application of government that I would be interested in figuring out, and we won't today. I've got a go in just a few minutes here with you, but um, is government that that further empowers the individual on that third category I gave you of voting with our dollar. And that mm-hmm. is government being very willing to consider antitrust violations. So mm-hmm. the way to protect us is to ensure that no single company and no single individual can dominate this market, can yeah. become the only option. That has been at play for the last couple of years where that's what they're setting their sights on. For instance, breaking up Google or trying to anyway. And so, yeah, the, not having a monopoly is going to be important. For what it's worth, Google and Microsoft are still in heated competition. There's a vibrant AI startup world where there's lots of competition. And so we're still very early on. So, well, yeah, you might worry about Microsoft and Google, Amazon. Or Sam Altman. Or Sam Altman, sure dominating it's too it's too soon for that um any you, you know 
any more than you would say, I mean, the iPhone is, is in, you know, huge market share, but they're still Android, right? So I, I agree, but generally I agree with the point, with, with your point. And there's, there's going to be an empirical question as to when do we get to the point or what makes it the case that we're at the point that there's too much power concentrated in, in, in too, too few corporations or, to your point, individuals. It's a real problem. I think I've said this in the past that I, 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 I feel so ignorant on this subject. And yet I see, I feel like without buying into hype and hyperbole, it is, if not the only, the primary story that matters, the, the one that, that threatens to change everything about how we live on a daily basis and how we govern ourselves, both collectively and individually. And, um, you know, I think you and I will be talking a lot in the future, Reed, about continuing to help me to understand this in its application. and. It seems like we're at the edge of the frontier. Um, we're staring yeah. out across the Great Plains. We know it's full of uh, hostile Indians, and yet we have to push west, and we got to figure out the best way to do that. And um, as always, like I said, it is terrifying, but also enlightening to talk to you, Reed Blackman. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Reed Blackman. Check out his books, Ethical Machine, or his podcast, Ethical Machines, wherever you get your audio entertainment. That's going to do it for me today. I will see you again next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.